When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now, is Pistol hot? He is in reform of his life. As you say in the episode, his tour is doing extremely well. He's in the blockbuster smash, Wonka, a big, big role. No spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it. But he's popping up a lot. Yes, if you've not seen, I mean, there is every chance you have seen Tom do stand up. But if you haven't, or even if you have, um, his new tour, Underdog, gets back underway early 2024 and continues well into the year. Tim and I have been lucky enough to see multiple iterations of it. We saw it from the very formative stages when he was working out the the new material to the essentially the final product um and spoiler we might we might be seeing it again in january the whatsapps are being exchanged tim <laughs> yeah very exciting it's a show i've seen a few times uh this year and it's yeah like to say it's really brilliant i think tom's got a real so he's got the everyman thing everyone can really relate to him he's really great but also because of his comedy acting his act outs are just above Everyone else's. He can just sell everything. He's just so funny because he's known how to do that on TV and film for years. That's You are, as always, absolutely correct. So Wonka is out now. Um, if you Google Tom Davis underdog tour, you will find out uh, if Tom is coming to a town near you. The tour gets back underway 23rd of January, Chelmsford. Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you what, Tim. The dates come thick and fast through January, February, March. It's like I'm going to sing uh, Gone Till November by Wycliffe Jean. Uh, April, <laughs> May. It's a real niche reference. Anyway, you know what, Tim? I said, will he be coming to a town near you? It looks like there's every chance. Yes, um, And then it finishes at the moment, mid-June, Truro in Cornwall. So uh, do yourselves a favour if you didn't get a Christmas, if you, maybe if you didn't get a Christmas present that you were hoping to get, maybe treat yourself to a ticket. The URL is, of course, bigtomdavis.com. Yeah, this show is just so good. I I can't imagine a person who wouldn't love it. We've had an eventful few days that always be comedy. Uh, we, shows with the likes of Sarah Pascoe. Uh, the the hard the, the Taskmaster hardcore Paul Williams was down uh, one of the stars of New Zealand Taskmaster um, and then Tim this was this was nice uh, from podcast HC listened to the Joe Wilkinson episode as a one off but then ended up listening Tim we love to hear this but then ended up listening to every episode afterwards within a week top. Tim, this 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 reads like paid for content. Top tier guests, great format, lovely host, great for comedy nerds like me. Uh, Tim, that what a, what's a lovely uh, way to uh, boost 
our own personal uh, positivity around the Christmas period. But that that was that was lovely. Oh yeah, yeah, so nice. And they do. I think my favourite thing where they listen to an episode. Someone someone finds a podcast due to a heavy hitter such as Joe Wilkinson, and they go throughout the archives. And yeah, love it. There's now over forty episodes, so there's hours and hours and hours of stuff to get into. There's days of stuff to get into. I think. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, a bit more Cora here from uh, Cora. Are we going with that? Is that a thing? I've just thought of it now. Still uh, trying trying it on like a, a new pair of shoes. Uh, Sheik writes in, uh, says nice things about the Tommy Field and also the online shows. The podcasts have been a joy to listen to, and I'm delighted that some of my favourite ones have been artists whose work I am not necessarily familiar with. Thank you both for making ABC such a welcoming environment for oldies and newbies alike. It's brilliant to see new faces regularly. I hope you have a, uh, both have a well-deserved uh, restful Christmas break. Tim, we, we talk a lot about Mount Rushmore comedians always be comedy. Sheik, I would have thought, is a Mount Rushmore uh, regular. He's he's one of the best regulars any comedy club could have. For and, if you th- and if you think I'm just saying that because he often gives me a lift home, then no comment. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to get in touch, we are the team at alwaysbecomedy.com and across the socials at alwaysbecomedy. Right, okay, so as you may have, oh, I nearly said ascertained, uh, as you may have gathered, that's more like it, um, 2023 was was the year, Tim, I would say that we have really tried to put on as many shows a week as possible to the extent where Four or five nights a week has been the norm. Yeah, it's been wonderful, I must say. There was even a week where we had 10 shows in a week. Historical. It was historical, and I know that the Dennis Law European Cup final reference could be added to the uh, the bingo card. Um, that's, a, that's a reference for the regulars there. Um, but yeah, in the biggest week in this, you've always been comedy. I was away because it was half term and it was on Tim Lewis to once again carry carry the whole operation on his uh, shoulders. 2024, we are aiming to, to keep this up and perhaps even go even further. And so if you go on to alwaysbecomedy.com, you will see so many shows. We just added a show, a show with Miles Jupp. Tim, we've seen the show. It's incredible. And Miles Jupp is with us Thursday, the 4th of January, 5 o'clock. Um, so that's just gone, that's just gone on sale. Uh, Miles Jupp, tour preview at the Tommy Field, um, 5 p.m. If you use the code STU, STU, uh, you will get tickets for just £8. And to see a that, that sort, of, we're going to keep that one. That's between the podcast listeners and the newsletter, uh, and that's a tour preview from the great Miles Jupp. Yeah, we've seen the show a couple of times now, and it's he is an incredible storyteller, and I mean he certainly has a sounds so partridge. He certainly has a story to tell with this show. Mate, have you done the new Partridge audiobook, Big Beacon? No, I've done I've done a tiny bit of it, and yeah, I'll be using this Christmas break to get into it. 
Mate, I think it might be the funniest one so far. Outrageous. Outrageous. I've been, I've, I've, I've been, I've been, I'm very grateful. Been a very busy boy with the warm-ups. And the, one of the great things about warm-ups is lots of travel on your own, which does mean absolutely hammering the Alan Partridge Big Beacon audiobook. In the coming weeks and months ahead, you will, you will see shows with the likes of Jen Brister, uh, Fern Brady, Susie Ruffle, Rachel Paris, and many, many more. Please be sure to uh, Michael Odawali, Sophie Hagen, Sarah Pascoe, Tanya Moore, Nish Kumar. Anyway, if you do come to Tommy Field, please be sure to come over and say hello to Tim and myself. As ever, if you're feeling particularly festive, please do leave. That was that. Now that was partridge. Please, please, <laughs> please, uh, please do leave. Uh, a five star review always uh, much appreciated. Uh, we'll bring on the maestro Tom Davis. Oh, Tim, we also have a we also have a bonus episode where we look back on the year. When do we when do we think of when are we thinking of dropping this? Yeah, I. Well, look, let's have a meeting about it now. Um, <laughs> so uh, at the so it is now Tuesday. Boxing Day is Tuesday. Friday. I like it. I know this sounds like we've we've deliberately done this to uh, advertise the fact that it's this Friday, but we we were sort of umming and ahhing as to when it should come out. Tim, I think you're right. Bonus episode this coming Friday. What date is that, Tim? 27, 29th. 29th of December. Bonus episode. Tim and James look back on the year uh, with a few things added in for good measure. I've got to say, Tim came up with the categories, it's sort of like the the Always Be Comedy Awards. Tim came up with the categories, and I cannot give him enough credit. Tim, we finished the bonus episode. I went downstairs, and the first thing I said to Emily was, oh, my God, Tim did such a good job with those categories. That's nice. Uh, I, re- I really like this, and it's something I'm already excited to do every year going forward. <laughs> They're really good categories, and not any part of me... You know, sometimes if somebody comes up with an amazing idea, it's just human nature to sometimes think, huh, maybe I could add something else. <laughs> I I was I was bringing nothing else to the table. Oh, uh, you were. It was it was like total completion. No, no, but you'd you'd nailed it. You really you really had. So you're in for a treat, and I can say that with hand on heart because <laughs> because it was all Tim's idea. Um, so look out for that. Anyway, uh, without further ado, uh, Wonka is out now. The Underdog Tour extends well into 2024. Uh, one, you, <laughs> if you need some Christmas love, it's in this episode because our heart, our hearts positively overflow with love for the maestro, Big Tom Davis. We are joined today by the the People's Prince. One of the greats. There's nothing he can't do. I'm going to, I'm going to, go, I'm going to use the word polymath. Um, <laughs> Tom Davis, how are you? Very well. To, very. Well, I was going to say very well to see you, James Gill, but that feels like a, that feels like someone who's not conversed with an adult for like about three weeks. Um, uh, good to see you. Yeah, I'm always happy to see you. You you bring such light into my life. Oh, Tom, the, the feeling could not be more mutual. We, <laughs> you... we... We have a lovely chemistry. That's not for us to say. That's for other people to comment yeah, on. Yeah, no, but you are uh, one of those people that just makes me smile and uh, have done for a number of years. I think in uh, it's ever lost on me what a good person within our industry you actually are. 
And uh, yeah, I think I should say, I said it recently to Brett Goldstein, we, we did a loving on you. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 just, I, I started to get a bit, a bit emotional then. Mate, I heard, I heard the podcast he did with Brett and I, I was, I think I was blubbing on the central line, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's all very, very, uh, yeah, from the heart, sir. And, and I think that's, yeah, it's a weird thing when you, you sit, like, because, you know, looking at the podcast, this podcast and listening to it, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? Because, like, you know, obviously, yeah, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but it's that weird thing of, like, I remember starting out around the sort of same term time, probably as you. Yeah. Um, and I just remember that thing of, like, never seen anyone who's, like, that job as an MC, I remember trying to do it. It's the hardest thing. I don't care what anyone says. It's so difficult. And to see how you've, even now, like, seen, you, like, the warm-ups and just how your excitability and how just how you can manage to sort of almost make the crowd just feel that instantly that they're, they're a massive part of the gig. And that's, you do so many gigs where people, that, that sort of thing's a bit lost. People don't seem to like to settle, but people, whenever I've seen you, wherever I've seen you, people settle and it's so nice. It just feels like you sort of like just open your house and you're just like, this is, and that's not just ABC because that's, you've made that into this beautiful thing. But even when you're doing it, you're doing it on the floor in a big sort of studio show. It's incredible, man. Really. Thanks, Tom. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. Tom, right now, this must be a moment where you are allowed to pinch yourself while smelling the roses you've got you're one of the stars of one of the of a global blockbuster you've got the you've got the sellout tour that has been once again extended you've got the hit podcast with rom may it, it as my mum would say it's all happening yeah it's exciting right it's mad i, I found wonka like a because we made it two years two years ago with my it was like my daughter's born. So sort of we've been working on it and I've been talking to you about it for two years, I think. And yeah, so it's it's mad that it's out. It's it's kind of I still don't think I've got my head quite around the size of it. And now all of a sudden you're getting you get messages from people in Spain or wherever globally that are sitting down to watch it who've got no idea who I am. Um but uh yeah, it, it's it's an amazing thing to be a part of. Like real pinch yourself, you know, and and then the tour as well is just that's that's the thing I'm almost most proud of. I think the the, the acting and, and Wonka was like, you know, after Paddington and things, and and when I was offered that role, it was sort of saying I've been working really hard to and and I was talking to Tim before and talking to you, but finding the the right thing, you know, it, it wasn't just like I've always been very sort of deliberate in the stuff that I take and the stuff that I don't. I'm really like I think it's always waiting, hopefully, for the right thing and the right part to come in, and and that just after Paddington 2, when Paul called me about that. So I knew about it quite a long time before the film was even filmed. So uh, that sort of, whereas a tour felt like something I probably with my life would never do. It, it was a, time, a long time. I remember talking to you a lot about it and uh, I felt like for a long time, I'd probably never come back to stand up. And I, I felt I'd sort of, wasn't necessarily my thing. And I wasn't very, I, I sort of had a real bad opinion of myself. I'd sort of kick myself quite a lot. I just think I wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't my calling, but um, that's the thing now. After a lot of hard work, that's that feels like the the hard work, the hard yards have been put in. Listen, listen, I'm going to slap you around the head here. Nothing makes me more sad than when you. The thing with you, Tom, and this is this is part of your success. You're you're too down on yourself, but because you're down on yourself, that sort of proves the catalyst for kicking yourself up the bum. It's a bit, you know, like Ian Wright, when he was a footballer, people would say, 
if you take that out of his game, he's not the same player. And I, it's probably the same with you. You, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I imagine on some level, you need to beat yourself up to get stuff done. Yeah, I think that's a school of hard knocks, isn't it? You, you, you have this feeling that, like, yeah, I think from where I've come from and, and my journey to get where I am, it, it's never been an easy thing. So I think it's a constant reminder that, and and also it's it's not a thing that I put. I, I constantly striving to be the best version of myself. I'm constantly striving to be the best performer, whether that's on screen or on stage. Uh, you know, I've, I remember when I talked to you guys and I was first getting ready to to go on tour, and I showed you like I did. I think I did nearly fifty. Me and Flo raised up fifty warm up shows for. That's just a warm-up work in progress. And it was because I wanted I felt like this has to be an incredible show when people come and watch it. And that's not gonna happen if I just do 10. I'm I'm ring rusty and I feel like I've got a, you know due diligence is for me to put in as much as I possibly can. And stand-up, if I'm honest, James, was the one thing that that's that's that was the you know, meal ticket. That was the thing that I left the building site. Was I didn't have any like <clears throat> any idea that one day you'd be in a f- film like Wonka or or writing King Gary or making murder successful. That was all just like it was enough really just to do stand up, and that was the thing that I first loved the most. And uh, so coming back to it, I felt like I really have to really here push as much as I can to make this an incredible show. And I think I was conscious that there would be a lot of people waiting for it to fail. Maybe rightly so, maybe wrongly so. But I think people, if they could have gone and it wouldn't have been great. I think people go, well, that's just not his thing, and I, I couldn't let that happen. But I mean, Tom, I mean, God, I have so much love for you. God bless you. But when you say things like it's, it wasn't my calling and, and things like that, Jesus wept, Tom, you are a room shaking comedian. Friends of mine, non civilian friends of mine um, have seen your show and said it's absolutely hysterical. There's so much love for you out there. And I think sometimes you need to be told you need to be reminded sometimes how good you are and how loved you are. That's very kind of thank you. Yeah. I need I probably yeah, yeah. Need to be a bit kind of myself at times. That's a that's the thing, isn't it? I think it's it's a yeah, but that's all down the background, isn't it? And that's that's what we're all trying to work on. And I think it is that thing of trying to be a better friend to yourself. And I think it's it's a weird thing of um yeah, but I think it's it's also yeah, I think you I, I've always been very conscious of getting bedazzled by all this. Like, you know, when you come, you know, out of the sort of situation in the world I came from, it was always like I was very like conscious of not of never really buying into the star and stars and you know, you, you could not go to Wonka Premier. I was there with my wife and and friends and Ramesh and whatever, and it was an incredible night and it was an amazing thing. And I, I was very much like this is amazing to be, you know, this is a real moment and I should I so call it that in. But also I'm always very conscious that this is work, this is a job, and it has to be like, take it, it has to be respected like any job, it has to be respected like any part of work, and you have to put your head down, you have to graft, and you have to, you have to show it respect it. it's, it's due, really, and I think that's, when I, certainly when I started out, I remember like, getting for my first few scripts, and being at production companies, and I could never quite work out why, no one was there at eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, everyone would walk around in at 10, 10, 30, and leave at three, or whatever, and, I tried to always work like it was on a building site, put the hours in, put in the hard yards. And that's what I mean about stand-up. I think I probably, I think what you realise with stand-up and and like when I watch, and I'm, I've been obsessed with it all my life, and it, like when I sit and watch the true greats, and that was probably the thing that I think people, you can get a long way in the early stages of stand-up 
from just being naturally funny and you could you've got a pretty good 15 20 and like when you go to do the hour that's for me or a tour show that's where you kind of get found out of it and that was the thing where i was like that's what i mean about putting in the hard yards that was a bit i probably i was down on myself because i probably you know had sort of acting work and stuff coming in i was like right you know i'm dyslexic so i've got to learn this yeah i i found it standing on stage and being able to talk was you know and, and make people laugh it was but then i was I found the anxiety of it. Even now, I find the anxiety of it almost crippling at times. But I don't find that as much as... I remember if I was down, down to the ABC, ABC, right, which is arguably one of the nicest rooms in the country. It's one of those, it's a beautiful gig. It's you and Tim, who are two people I count as two of my closest friends in this industry. But like when I was even coming back to this, I'd like I'd have this crippling anxiety from about 9 o'clock in the morning where I just would be able to... And, and like, like, would it, you know... It's an insane thing. You're just like, fuck, this is just insane. Like, why do I feel like this, like, wretched feeling in my stomach? But now it's, you know, and that is the hard job. That is the minutes on stage and minutes put in. You know, now I'll turn up and I'll have a pie and mash before I go on. And I'm quite <laughs> relaxed. I'm more chilled with it. Um, and that, a lot of that comes down to to flow as a as an agent and what she's done, you know, what how she's nurtured that side of me of, this is who you've got to be when you're on stage and, and pushing that agenda. You know, this is, don't worry about, you, they want to see it from someone who's a mate who, who feels like it's, and, and in the same way that when I watch you do what you do, it's just so loose and it's so fun. And that is the thing that I think stand up when it's its very best should feel. And that's, that's the thing I love. I, I mean, it's, yeah. And without saying the wanky, it's, it's the ultimate art form. I think there's nothing like it in the world. Now, two things there. Tom has mentioned Flo. Flo will not thank me for this because Flo is an Arsenal fan. But Flo is like the... the she's the Sir Alex Ferguson of, of comedy. Yeah, she will, yeah, not, she will not like that comparison. Yeah, I, she, I don't know. I she'd, prefer, she'd, prefer, she'd prefer Wenger. She'd prefer I Wenger. I think she is probably more Wenger, though. I think I think Ferguson always had this... Ferguson, there was a hard, like, hardness to Ferguson and the way he managed and the way... When with Wenger, what Wenger did really, really well is he picked people who... Like Burkamp, Henri, Perez to an extent. Yeah, people he plucked people who were playing in smaller leagues or people who had like had their confidence shattered. Like Henri was people forget Henri, you know, moving up into going into joint Arsenal was been playing at Juve and he, you know, he's not playing particularly well. And it, it was the kid who was smashing at Monaco. Arguably everyone thought this is, you know, so Flo, when I look at Flo, I think Wenger, I think, you know, and, and looking at her roster, we're all a bit like that. We're all a bit. Sort of, I, yeah. I, I went, I, you know, where I went Fergie over Wenger. You got more successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, but, yeah, I could talk football with that. And, and, and but, but, so, Flo, so Flo, Flo looks after <laughs> the likes of uh, Tom, Tom Allen, Romesh, Susie Ruffle. I mean, we're missing so many people out. Ivo Graham, on and on and on. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, when, when Tom is mentioning Flo, she's like the, the, the doyen of. of uh, not just comedy agent, comedy manager. I mean, she's, you know, she's she's quite literally the, the, the best in the biz. Uh, but then also, Tom, underdog, to, to, to anyone who hasn't seen it, it's been extended into 2024. To anyone who's not seen it, what what will they expect from that show? Uh, I think, I think it's just, yeah, the best version of myself being, I think it's stories from, from the building site, stories from my life, stories of where I'm at now. It's, yeah, I think it's just, I picture it's probably just being, it's all almost like just being in the pub with me for an hour and a half and I'm talking non-stop and you don't really ever say anything. Um, so I can't... I can't, 
I won't ruin a bit, but I cannot eat a burger without thinking of. <laughs> Isn't it interesting yeah. though? Because that's the thing. Like when I was that bit had gone, that had gone, and then I tried it in Chelmsford, and Flo was there, and it and it worked. Like there's so many bits. It's so interesting in it now. Where I'll go when when you're gearing up. There's so many bits you go. It's like an insane thing. So this is I believe in fate, right? So when I f- was really early on in my stand-up, I did a bit about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that you always was one of you always say. It's one of my favourite bits. It's and- so funny. It's such a great observation. It's a great act out. Everything about it, every every beat along the way is like tick, 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 tick. I I, lo- I love it. But yeah, sorry, Tom, go on. So that was but that gone and that had been dropped and that hadn't even been thought of. And then all of a sudden you're in Wonka and you've got a story that's so a closer which is about Wonka. And then you're like, oh shit. Like, so one night in the work in progress, you just throw in the Charlie and the Chocolate Patch bit and it kills. And you're like, oh, f- oh f- that bit now is almost funnier than the, the Wonka story. It, you know, it's so insane because, and that's what you, that's, that's why it is. That's why there's nothing like it in, in at all. I, I, I think it's, I respect everyone at every level who steps up on stage and does it. I think it like very much like boxing or UFC or any fight. I, I think it stand up as a art form is is truly something, yeah, so unique, but also so the the balls in the bottle. It's, it's weird as well when you look back, isn't it? And and like when we we're talking about coming and doing this, and you're talking about your favorite acts and people that you just you know you're like it's an insane thing to go back through all those, but then also you reflect and you think a little bit about when you started out and those open mics and the mirth control gigs and all that stuff. It's uh yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mad thing. I remember us too. We got selected to do an industry showcase at up the Creek. Mate, yeah. real talk. We, I'm going to swear it. We absolutely fucking roofed it. Yeah. It smashed it. It smashed it. Was it about, was that about, must've been about 12 years ago that. Yeah. It would have been 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. That was, that, that, that place then was, we both that, said, and this isn't false modesty, we both said, like, l- genuinely, I know it sounds like false modesty, but we looked at the lineup and we both said, what are we, what are we what doing are we on doing this deal? <laughs> <laughs> it was the who's who's. It was a, yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah. It, it, that, but they're the moments, right? They're the things. And, and that, I think that was a weird thing of when I, and that, like, doing the tour and coming back and touring and, and, and no one had any idea that I, I think people just thought that I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll give stand up a try. They didn't know that <laughs> there'd been like eight years and maybe even longer of, of shit sort of like those gigs and that, you know, and so you're like, I think that's when, what was great is the moment when you, you, you go to, you know, the work in progress or even the tour now and you're dealing with, you know, people shouting hecklers or whatever and, and, You've got that in you because it's been ingrained from those tough gigs. Those up the creeks, the Christmas at up the creeks were like. I remember doing New Year's Eve with with Mo the comedian, and it being like one of the hardest gigs of, of my life. But Mo, that was when when you're like, oh wow, this guy's fucking electric. He he just because that's a, that's kind of a home home ground for me. Greenwich at New Year, like builders, like and Mo just uh, yeah, you're like wow, this gig's is yeah, he's not the same here. Oh, he's a wonderful comedian, Mo. Um, now, this comes out Boxing Day. Yeah. Now, what the the Gill family, in between Christmas and New Year, this is when we are going to see Wonka. Um, so what, I know you can't, I know you can't do spoilers, but you know what, on behalf of a lot of the younger listeners, and not just younger listeners, 
film fan, you know, film fans, there is this guy, Timothy Chalamet. He's got the world, as David Lightman used to say, he's got the world by the tail. I mean, this kid is the real yeah. deal. You know, Dune, I mean, it's, I mean, crikey, so many terrific performances under his belt. But you, you and him, you had a lovely rapport. Yeah, offset, didn't you? He was a, offset, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really nice kid. You know, this is a match. So my daughter had just been born and I was sort of like, it's an amazing mad, mad thing. So like, I come from a film with quite small ends, uh, BBC, whatever, like, you know, King Gary or whatever. And, and, and on, a, on a show like that, you're constantly feeling, you, you know, you usually have a running break. But um, with Wonka, you, you sometimes just film a scene a day or you just rehearse a scene a day. So you get a lot of downtime. So you're, um, so I started playing champion. I like, I was addicted to championship manager years ago. I think it's called football manager now. So I started playing that. And um, he, I basically came on set and he's like, uh, but I have my laptop with me. And he's like, what are you doing? Man? We had these little put you up because of COVID. He's like, what are you playing? And I was like, oh, championship manager. And he's like, what? Championship manager? I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like um, a football uh, management simulator where you take on a club and you know <laughs> you see how much success and... He was like, who are you playing as? And I was like, uh, Palmer. I started off in Serie, Serie B and uh, I, I look like I could now uh, win the um, Serie A championship. Uh, Sorry. With a young team. You, you could end this story there and this is already It's glorious. insane, right? And he's like, oh man, how? And so then I start showing, I'm sitting with like this guy who's like, no, I, I realise how neaky but nerdy this makes me sound. Um, and I'm showing him how it works. And no joke, about three or four days later, he he comes up and he's got a fucking, he's like got his Mac and he's like, man, this game is fucking amazing. This is so fucking cool. It's so in-depth. And he loves the French League. So he'd started off as like Reims or something like that. And we chat anyway, from then he like he had this trailer that's insane. It was like bells and whistles, right? I've never been in a trailer like it, you know. Um, and we used to go into his trailer at, at like lunch or whatever and, and or between scenes. And we'd sit and just play FIFA, and yeah, just just chill, man. He's like he was a he's a very normal kid, and like what's insane is like it's really I've never ever met anyone of that level. Like you know, to put it into context, like I had no idea who his girlfriend was until my wife told me, and like yeah, I was like oh shit, okay, that's fucking mad. Um, but he he, I, he had all the same problems. At the risk of sounding. Uh... Every every day of my forty five years, it's what it's one of the Jenners. It's one of Kylie Jenner. Or oh, Kendall really? Jenner. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the Jenners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's um, my wife. Yeah. My wife will be fascinated. Well, well, by the way, also is very down to earth and chilled. And yeah, man, that was like it was. It's a fucking mad rock because like Keegan Michael Keys, lovely and you know, I, I'm arguably was more starstruck about meeting him. Like you know, Keegan yeah. Peel is one of my favorite ever shows, and I think he's just like a force of nature as a comedy actor and he's wonderful in the film so it's yeah it's a really you know and then Baton and Lucas it's you know and obviously the, Olivia right you're fucking you know putting up your putting putting up your socks and going to work with Olivia every day that's just like amazing you'd like you know that's 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 the stuff man that's that's where you're a bit like okay this feels a long way from you, you, know. you know you you know you've made it old friend when Olivia Coleman is on a podcast and gives Tom Davis a shout out. I mean, that's. I think. I think I spat my tea out. He's yeah, but so lovely, so lovely, you know, and so down to earth and so. It was a very normal set. It was a very lovely and and yeah, it didn't feel really until the premiere. It felt like oh, this is just a really nice thing to have been a part of. And then like you know, 
like, oh, wow, okay, this is big. Also, the, the thing with Chalamet that, that I, and I think a lot of our listeners, are, you know, a lot of our listeners will be ahead of me on this one, but the kid, that, that, I shouldn't say kid, that guy is the, is the real deal, isn't he? I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. you know, you think like in, Interstellar, uh, Men, Women and Children, Obviously, call me by, call me call, by your name. Yeah, call me by my name is. What's incredible. that? Oh, Hostiles. That West. That is a. That is an and awesome movie. Don't look up. He, he still sings in Don't Look Up when it, when he's with Leonardo. He, he feels like that, but he's sort of maybe destined to be the next Leonardo. Or he's he's really like the first the first the first scene in the movie, and I know Tim's in it, but where where me and him meet, it's like. Uh, he started playing like you know he's Willy Wonka right, and you're like, wow, this kid is because obviously you're you know we've all been brought up. Gene, like Gene Wilde is one of my genuine comedy heroes. It's like, and then you see him and you see the way that Paul's you know. And I was we done rehearsing with him. Like I spent quite a long time rehearsing with him, and then he's like, um, he goes, you know something, man, you're a fucking good actor. You're a good actor, and I was like. Wow, like this kid's young enough to be my son, but um, literally, I walked, I, I lived off that for about two or three months after. So I was just like, yeah. But now, if, if Timothy Chal- as a as a as a movie nerd, if Timothy Chalamet told me I was a, a good actor, I would, I'd probably burst into tears. However, and I say this is your friend, yeah. I mean, listen, he said that in the, yeah, yeah. in the sweetest, nicest way. But there must have been a part of you that was like, yeah, I've got, I've got two baftas in my back pocket here, mate. <laughs> I was. I mean, they're, they're very much lent on improv. Um, but uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, I think it, it's a weird thing as well, isn't it, taking a compliment from a younger person? Like, I find it such a strange thing. You can't, isn't it weird to think, yeah, because, you know, having a daughter now and, and, and sort of being a parent, but when, when someone of that age tells you, like, an earnest compliment, no, seriously, you're actually good at this. You <laughs> feel so like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, um, thank you. It's just a strange. It's like I've fucking forgotten more than you know. I like, but, I'd... but also, I mean, if if an actual child, I'm not saying Charlie is a child, but if a, if a, if a, if a, I'm thinking of my, my my kids, but if like one of their mates, if a child gives you a compliment, because yeah. children don't know how to do like, um, they wouldn't just say it for the sake of it. So I think if a kid gives you a compliment, they yeah. they must really mean they it. Mean so that, it. Can, yeah, yeah. that can really like yeah, it doesn't yeah. say much. You know, I've said before, I'll, I'll burst into tears if somebody opens a bottle of lemonade. But if a if a if a kid gives me a compliment, I'm like, thank you so much. You know, <laughs> you know, a compliment for me in my house at the moment is if my daughter would just eat something I cooked. That would be like that would be an amazing compliment. Oh, mate, for sure, it's insane. Yeah. Now, before we get to your dream gig, I've got to ask. This is a this is a real fan question. I remember seeing you in the in the Morgana show. How did that come about? That character on the tube, the obnoxious guy on the phone, that character is absolutely timeless. That is as true then as uh, as true then yeah. as it is now. How did that show come about? Because you you were lightning in a bottle on that show. So that was um yeah, so it was James Defront who sort of like my pal and uh like Morgana had been like a waitress. Uh, or was a waitress at the time, and she and she passed on a showreel, like an old DVD showreel, to John Noel. Uh, and then uh, I'd signed with John Noel as well. I'd been to it as a stand-up, really. Um, and and then she and then Terry Minot uh, was, I think, he was a roadie at the time. So we all three of us came from sort of 
like no training. None of us had done any training. So it's quite a, a sort of a, a panic feel. And then there was like, so I I was really, really conscious of like not doing a like a what would become really King Gary sort of character. I wanted to sort of try and show like Paul Whitehouse is my big hero, really. There, I was like, how do you create characters that don't feel at all? like if I'm acting and I had no training, but I was like, I need to make sure that this is as far away from stand up as I've ever taken it. So I did a character like we did Joyce and Barry, and Barry was quite a meek northern man, and they went to the funeral parlor and uh, a few others, sort of that, yeah. But the, the banker character, I'd been on a train and seen that guy one day, and, and since he came in, and we were with Shane Allen, who was like, who's being one of like um, my really big like big supporters really throughout my career. Shane's been amazing, and and I, I literally came in and I was like, I saw this guy last night on the train, and I acted out the whole of that call. And it used to, like my stand up face like that. I, I like to become the character, and I was like, you know, um, yeah, muskets at dawn, and we're gonna fucking have this. It's gonna be a fucking night. And uh, I mean, you'd never be able to do that character now. Some of the stuff he says, um, but uh, yeah, and then. He, Shane was like, let's just do that, do that character. So it, and it really blew up. And it was like, that was the sort of thing really where I, I really wanted it on a sketch show like that. I think you kind of got to go in and, and show your range and, and having like, I'm a real comedy geek. Like there's no, um, I adore it. I mean, it's, it's having done a few little bits in drama and stuff. And, and while that is, I think obviously it's an incredible thing. Comedy, I just think is some people are just made to, you know, I, I, you know, looking at the people you hold in the highest sustained comedy just is just such a special thing. And and knowing that like a character like that has sort of stood, I've had like mad, I've had calls from people like in the, Michelle DeSwart, who I think gigged with you guys, she called me from the Hamptons once. So she was on a modeling job and she was with a load of guys from uh, the city uh, in America, what's it called, Wall Street. And they were obsessed with that character. So she, they called and they were like, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. And she was like, just be the banker. I was like, what do you want, you piece of fucking shit? I'm fucking, I'm, I'm fucking halfway through. We're into a fucking eight ball right now. I haven't got time for this. Wow. Some yank. And um, yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's like, uh, and we tried to do stuff with him long form. Yeah, it's a character. If I could probably reinvent, like, like, we, we, yeah, that and sleep would be the two characters that I'd, I'd love to go back and, yeah. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's Best Eggs. Only Eggland's Best Hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and six times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. 
Right, so you, you, are, you are now curating your dream gig, Tom. Do you have any pre-gig rituals? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, a flush of eggs. No, I've got better now. Do you know, since, since the tour started, um, yeah, it's more like I have to have a, like a, a, a kind of like a shot of espresso um, and I sort of well hydrate or some sort of electrolyte drink. So Gratz, who's been my tour manager, and he, he's now going into the Romish, so second half of the tour. What new, but Gratz used to do Lee Evans and used to do... Bridges. Bridges, he's done. He's done every, yeah. And Gratz's thing, since the show now has gone from, you know, doing it at ABC and, and working progresses now to be doing it in like theatres, it's become more of a sort of physical piece. And it's sort of like every night... I find I really want to put on a show so it, it can be quite exhausting and if you're doing four or five in a, a week back to back gets to the fourth or fifth so I was just having water but I was sort of flushing my system out of it and Gratz was like Lee used to always have like Lucasade so so that became where I tried. and then eating as well I used to never eat before like was, this is no joke so I never used to eat from about midday and now I get into sort of and doing something you know doing a club gig then wasn't too bad because you don't need the you know but then I'd be like I did Guildford and I was nearly fainting. I was like, this is awful. And and I need to sort of, yeah. So now I sort of I try to get to the, the theatre at six, uh, bite to eat with the guys, all sit down together, have a I try to make it as much like a football team as I can. We sit down, we have have our food, we have a chat. We, and now I like it to be as you know what actually one of my favorite that's why I love ABC, because I love turning up to you with you and Tim, having a gossip, having a chat, having a bit of a laugh. And then you you just it's indicative of what you're doing on stage, right? You just walk out on stage and you do, and I used to always just get in my own head and just sit there and try and focus and sort of almost be like, and I was thinking this isn't really me. And actually as, as jovial and as fun as I can make it before a big show, then that, that almost feels better for me to translate that onto onto the stage. You got, and I, I mean, it sounds like Gratz is ahead of me on this one, but you've got to think of comedy shows, you know, whether it's a set, a warm up, uh, a, a tour show, that's your football match. So, you know, yeah. Wenger, Wenger would say you've got to put the, the right fuel into the car so that when the, a lot of metaphors going on here, so that when the, so that when that whistle blows, what's going on? There's cars on the pitch. But when, you know, but you, you need that energy, don't you, for when you yeah. perform? Yeah. And now it's, yeah, it, like having the trying to have the right things, you know, like, Good pasta or sort of yeah noodles or chicken whatever. I mean now those are to go to, but um it's uh yeah so that's sort of the ritual and, and just making it as as chilled and as relaxed as you possibly can. Having like I, I find it's always good to have sort of like whether it's Fatia or Dinesh or Jason always having like like your sort of warm up your your opener just to be someone you can have a bit of a laugh around with and then just yeah it, it, I, I really feed off that and then yeah and then just going out and, and then sort of I try to you know I try to sort of shadow box I try to sort of because the anxiety now you kind of know we, before I never knew what it was it was just a feeling that was quite quickly and now knowing what it is and that energy that sort of almost just runs through you it's like you kind of just got to move with that a bit and just loosen yourself up and if you go out too like shoot your bolt too early and, and yeah, hit the vinegar stroke too quick. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, you kind of want to be going out and you kind of want to be, you want to be feeling like you're sort of working with the room already. But it's, it's yeah, I sort of, I enjoy that part of it more now. I never did. I used to feel so sick and so ill. And, and like, also, I do believe that you can kill a gig before you've even, you know, we, we did a warm up at Guildford, me and Jason Patterson and, I don't know why we we 
we come off the back of like four or five really good ones, and then we were just like, "Oh, this is going to be it. like." Someone said to us, "Guildford's the hardest gig you're going to do on a good tour," and I was just like, "Oh, well, this is going to be fucking awful. This is just not going to work." And, and so we uh, we talked ourselves into it being bad, and then loads of basically Tom Adam was playing the big room, and I was doing the smaller room at Guildford, um, and they messed up the ticket. So loads of people who wanted to go and see Tom Allen went to watch were sent into my gig and vice versa so then halfway through like my show that like, people are just coming in going we've been watching Tom and then people are leaving no. they thought I, I missed but yeah um, and yeah it was just a really weird energy throughout the thing and then afterwards uh, I came out and Tom Allen was I've known Tom for a very long time yeah. I, I think I don't know if I have enough people know quite how amazing Tom Allen is from the Tom Allen you see on television and watch now like I sometimes think about Tom and, and like he used to do a lot of the um, junglers gigs and stuff like that. And oh, he yeah. was, you know, and I think like I used to sort of fucking be terrified of those. Right. But I was kind of their demographic. Right. You know, that was kind of what they, what they, you know, and for Tom going up there, I used to think it's just, he used to smash it, but he used to be like proper on top. And I just think coming, Tom is, there's a few people out there like where I just look at and I just it makes me fucking happy from the right pit of my stomach that they're as successful as they are because they truly deserve it. And I think Tom's one of them. And, and when I came out of Guildford, I was really dejected. It was I genuinely was like, oh maybe this isn't for me. That maybe that I'm, I'm you know th- this is how sort of up and down stand up. I literally come off the back and I was like, this is, feels great. And I was going out and I was like texting flow. Texting Ramesh going, I don't think, I think I've made a mistake. I don't think I've got it. I, I think I was right. I should have. And Tom was so lovely. He gave me a real, had a real good chat. With him. And he was just like, if you need it, just call me. I mean, oh, he's, he's just so, he's the a, best. He's a duke, man. He's a real good guy. He's one of the best, yeah, like genuinely. And and uh, when I look at him, I, I just think um, everything about him, but how he is and yeah, how lovely he is when you, when you, when you're with him off stage and, and, you see that, yeah, that the, him on stage. It, the, there's no line between the two. He's just a truly wonderful human being. Yeah, I, I think he's amazing. Who would uh, who MCs the gig? Oh, it's a tough one. That it's a really hard one. I'm sort of really torn because there's people I look at and I think, do you know? Do you know who I? But I've never seen an MC. But I just. It's really difficult. I don't know in what order. There's a part of me that loves, I think, Andrew Schultz right now. As a, I mean, I'll put you up there, Gilly, but that would just feel very sort of thank you. And we're dysphantic. Um, but you are Tim, genuinely the best. Tim, cancel the shut. No, I'm no, but you are genuinely the best I've ever worked with. Not as an MC. But if we're going to go dream, dream lineup of all time. Yep. Schultz for me at the moment, Andrew Schultz. I truly, I really love watching Andrew Schultz just as his crowd work, I think, now. And, and, his confidence of, of like going up on stage and doing what he like I've you know that thing of like selling a joke is like even if the joke is here and you can sell it to sort of be a room ripper it's the thing that you sort of really hope at some point you can end I remember like I did the um I never told it never talked about this before so I did they, they tried to remake uh everybody loves Raymond over here with Catherine Tate and Lee Mac as um, Raymond and yeah, that's right. And I was the brother. I was raised. Are brother. you serious? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so I got to hang out with Lee Mack, who's, who's an amazing comedian and, and, again, a great guy. And there was a bit in it, in the episode, because they picked episodes, and, and we hang out a lot with um, Phil Rosenthal, who'd written it. So one of my favourite things, right, is that we had... Um, oh, my God! The first Tom. day we the first day we get there, we're in this shitty little uh, rehearsal room, like a church hall type thing. And Phil Rosenthal turns out, bear in mind this guy's like, you know... A million, multi-million, maybe even billions out of, you know, sold everyone else Raymond all around the world. This is the British version, right? He turns up, he's so grounded, such a lovely geezer, such a beautiful person, you know, you hang around with him. And lunchtime comes around and they're like, um, okay, everyone. And they give us like 10 pounds each per diems, including Phil Rosenthal. And he's like, um, what the fuck is this? And I was like, <laughs> I'd have to get your lunch. And he was like, what? What? Like, what? You don't have lunch brought in? And I was like, no, not for rehearsals. Maybe like when we're filming, it's like rehearsals. You go to there's a Tesco Express like four yeah. doors down. Yeah, meal deal, man. And um, he was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And so we walk, start walking me and him to Tesco Express, and we're just chatting. And he goes in. We get I get a meal deal with Phil Rosenthal, who's very like <laughs> you know, joking about everything. And then he turned around. And he went, "Hey Tom, Tom, on the last season of Everybody Loves Raymond." We had lobsters flown to LA from Maine. And now I'm in Tesco's getting a fucking prawn cocktail sandwich. I said, two bits of advice. Number one, lower your expectations for the catering here. Number two, do not have a fucking prawn cocktail sandwich from fucking Tesco's. <laughs> Go for the cheese that, and ham, son. Um, that is a Hall of Fame, always be uh, comedy podcast anecdote. But that we, is uh, a beauty. We, uh, yeah, he's a good guy as well. He was a very sweet man. But, um, yeah, so it, so Lee, so there was a bit in that where I had a joke, and I can't remember what the joke is, and I couldn't sell it. And I was like, every time we were rehearsing it, and then we were doing playing around with it on stage and whatever, it just didn't. And I start really asking for the script to be changed. And Phil Rosenthal and Lee Mack are like, this joke has worked in different languages. It worked in the original, and I never went back and watched the episode. The original was when I copied the, you know, the, the guy. Um, of course. Uh, and Lee was, it's not a joke, it's you. you. You should be able to sell every joke. And it was like from there where you're like, that thing of him and Phil really pushing that side of things, of how, I've got two or three of them in my tour. And if you just put a little bit more stank on it, you're like, fuck, even if it's not a great joke, you think actually you just give it that little bit more effort. You know, it's sometimes like a back pass, right? Or a side pass. And if we're going to talk about football analogies or, you know, it's somewhere where you're like, like I've just got to give this a bit more. When I watch Shorts, I just think he's so fucking, the confidence that breathes from him. And I think so like if you... Shorts is sending that Steven Gerrard, yeah. that raking 70-yard screaming pass yeah. across. Right, Shorts. Yeah. yeah. And also Shorts, I just think, opening up with someone like Shorts as an MC. And I think it's what you do really well and every great MC I've watched and... And that's why it doesn't always try. That's that's the thing that I think we, I will struggle with the MC and thing. And I think it's such a, with an MC, it's really important for people to go, okay, this is great. This guy's in control. He's it, whatever else happens out here. If the other acts are bad, he's going to be. He feels like he's got this under control. And every time he comes on stage, it's going to be fun. And and also, if you're funny, and and that's why you know you've made the club you are, and if you're brilliant, it kind of is that like sort of the company in which you keep it's like everyone kind of goes they but like look man i won't i mean do you beep names out if we we can be we can beep a name out okay so the difference would be someone like right 
So I remember getting introduced on stage by him, and it's probably about my fifth or sixth gig, right? <laughs> he turns around and he goes, um, okay, uh, the next guy, um, I've not seen him actually, I've not seen him do stand-up. Um, I've heard some okay things about him. Uh, one of the things I tell you, he's um tall, he's very, very tall. Actually, he might be the tallest person who's ever played uh here at this club. Actually, thinking about it, no, because Greg <laughs> Davis has played here. And I don't think he's taller than he's looking backstage at me. He's not taller than Greg Davis. Um, uh, and no, Stephen Merchant, I don't think he's probably tall. We'll have, we'll have to ask him when he comes on stage and see if he's taller than Stephen Merchant. So he's not he's not the tallest comedian. And I, yes, like I say, don't, you know, and also, uh, you know, don't get, I don't know if he's as funny as Stephen or Greg. Um, but anyhow, um, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tom Davis. Um, and I sort of go out. Sort of with all the energy to start, and he just went, "Oh, sorry, just before." Are you taller than Greg Davis? Or oh my so? god! And I went, um, "Oh, uh, I, th- I, th- I think he's actually taller than me. I've never met him." And he went, "Steve Merchant." I think, "Oh, he was almost definitely uh, taller than me." I said, "Oh, Peter Crouch is also taller than me." He went, "Who's Peter Crouch?" I went, "He's a," and it was just literally the worst intro you've ever seen in your life. And now I got four minutes of your five left. <laughs> Also, you're well aware, right, that one of the big lessons of, of writing comedy and, and whatever is don't, like, if you, this is like, I'm five gigs in, it's like, and he's mentioned two Hall of Famers, he's mentioned Merchant and Greg, they're like two of the best fucking guys out there. Two they're Hall like, of Famers. They're fucking incredible acts. Greg Davis is arguably one of my, like, I think it's incredible. Like, imagine fucking, and I, I'm still working on building sites. Still grafting. Yeah, before five aside, he's, br- he's brought Messi and Pele, basically. <laughs> Who would uh, who would open the gig? Um, okay, opener. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep the energy up. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, with Bernie Mac. What I, a talent! Uh, uh, like, there's I used to feast on Def Jam, and Bernie just like stood up, head and shoulders. I just adore him. I adored everything about him, as, 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 and what he later did in movies as an actor, and and. Like it, even the things that like Ocean's Eleven, he'd be able to come on and just steal a scene. Uh, my favorite thing about Pat Santa, but as a stand-up, um, and he did this incredible sitcom as well, where he's taken. It was actually quite dark in a way. It was like so. It was on at like six o'clock on Channel Four when years ago, but it was like he'd had to take in his daughter, his sister's kids because that's right. He was yeah. a drug addict, um, and it was really heartfelt. And and he just had like a an energy of like. That you know, don't fuck with me type type, type thing. That you sort of that like when you're putting together who you might think you know, we and we we'd be lying, wouldn't we, if we we'd not taken on parts of different characters and parts of different people because that's subjectively what you do. Like Bernie was the guy that I and even now I, I when I go out there, it's just that's the thing that I lost for a long time when I stopped doing stand up. Because when I first started, Bernie was one of the people I, I used to go out with that energy of like, you know, not quite as, as as in your face as that, but like you're in good hands and like, you know, it was just, it felt like a battle, but you, you were on the same side as him and he was like going to take you through and take you through an amazing act. And I just sort of, I, yeah, I got obsessed with him and obsessed with, you know, even now I just, his styling, I just think everything about him. He just feels like if you're going to open a show, there's no one better to to, to do that. And that's a it's a righteous choice. What I would say, I never realised this till you said it though. What you and Bernie Mac have in common? Yes, there is a toughness when you're on stage. There is a don't f with me energy, but there's also a tremendous sweetness there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's well, it's a vulnerability, isn't it? You you get the idea. Vulnerability. Yeah. And also his everything about that sort of like what it's a really weird thing of like every bit of him is is in the moment, right? Sometimes you can watch a stand-up and it's incredible and amazing joke smiths and, and whatever. And and you know, with Bernie it felt like every every part of him. His whole body was in the moment, and I think that's the thing that I I love the most about. And just yeah, and but also a big guy who just showed a bit of vulnerability and and could sort of feel like he was he was cool as fuck, but he sort of not necessarily. It felt like he had to work to be cool, and I think that's a kind of good thing. If you if you want to talk about a pre gig ritual, I'm sure, and I'm sure you've seen it, but uh, to any listener, and the listeners will have seen it as well, I imagine. But uh, Kings of Comedy. As he's being announced on, check out what he's doing before he goes on. It's like he's about to fight Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah. he's absolutely yeah. in the zone. But that's that's the thing that I've taken from like Gratz laughs about it because you know we'll get onto someone else later. But that feeling of shadow, and I used to yeah. box a bit as a kid, and, and it's like I feel that that's the moment where you're just pumping yourself out to go out there because it is like it's, I feel truly blessed that that's to where it's got, and like you know. And and that kind of like even when we're like if when I do always be I'll always drop drop but down the back that little side street you've got and I have a little dance sure. about and a little walk about and I usually get into that ritual of like the moment of feeling that and I think it's really important to sort of carry that over and you know he's one of those people as well that when we're talking about sort of selling stuff and selling a moment that sort of you know got it like that to sort of the music that's and it's so just, funny uh, and it's like um yeah it's an amazing like not to because this cannot come across not name dropping um at all because it, it yeah i'm gonna sound like a wanky but so we did a show you you fucking did it with me um you were the warm-up the red nap show did we oh mate jesus christ yeah absolutely that was a lot of a lockdown show yeah so the thierry on episode right oh mate which was oh my god to the <clears> listener <throat> It turns out Tom Davis and Thierry Henry have got a double act like Morecambe and Wise. And so we hit it off like in this mad way, me and Thierry. It was, and, it was astonishing how much you hit it off. And uh, uh, like we played basketball all day. We'd hung out. You, me and you were hanging around with it. We were watching Thierry Henry fucking... When he was yeah. trying to do that, you were there for this and you, this will be... When he was trying to do that thing where he had to scoop the ball up and get it into the basket. The basket so he's basically got to do kick-ups and get it into the basket the record was an hour longer because they were like, oh, we can probably just cut it together and make it look like it's happening. He was like, that would be cheating. I have to get this right. And we all stood there. There was no audience. And me and Gilly are just, I remember looking at you as two absolute geeks, just looking at Tierra Rhea and Jamie Redner <laughs> doing these kick-ups. But um, so after the show there, we we ended up chatting and, and yeah, he, he was a massive Bernie fan as well. So then we exchanged numbers and for a while just had this mad thing where we were just sending each other clips of Bernie Mac and Jesus um, Christ. Gifts of Bernie Mac. And uh yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. I, and I think that's the thing that I sort of because it's there's that thing I think with sport as well, looking at Thierry and, and, and whatever, that you can take that mindset from sport and, and onto stage. And I think that's a pretty fucking amazing thing. Superb, brilliant. Tom's on fire. Who goes in the middle? It, it feels hard putting them here because I think they're they're an open or a closer, but it's someone I I adore. I put Joe Brand. I, I think Joe would be um, 
an oh, icon. Tim and I talked about her just the other day, about what an icon and a legend she is. Man, had. like when we talk about rough clubs and rough places and and places you go and and um and watching, I, I watched Joe from before I ever even dreamt of going on stage and saw Joe when she was you know doing clubs in South London and and always absolutely adored that she wears Bernie Mac suits that can the energy that I've tried to create. Joe Brand was a person I, I think self-deprecating, but also fucking quick to like never, you know, if she got heckled or hit, it was always like she could kill, kill someone in a room with a word or a line, but also always knew that like, so she was winning people over all the time with self-deprecation, but so like, so Joe really early on in my career wrote like a really nice piece and, and, and had mentioned me really, really early on before wow. anything like, and, it was something where like my mum who's like we as a family would love joe and my mum adores her like they've got a lot in common both ex-nurses and when joe had written that it really was one of the things where my mum was i think my mum was like very worried about like what was i doing with my life i was like you know i was 28 i think 29 when i started <laughs> and it was like this what is this and that moment that joe brand sort of turned around and she sort of said that like uh, she'd said some lovely stuff, but one of the things she said was that he is charming, but he doesn't really give a fuck who he upsets. He just, he's like fun, but it's not like he's, um, and my mum just was, that really, it was a really big moment for me because I think it was the first time my parents kind of thought, I oh, actually maybe might be half decent than this. Because they, they never came to watch me until Brighton for my tour show. They'd never been to a gig. And like, I think, and then I, I've been really fortunate enough to work with Joe a few times. And, like again, watching her move from stand up to acting, but also hosting something like uh, Extra Slice, it's just she's just one of the the sweetest, most lovely people you could ever hope to to meet, and and felt felt like that reassuring arm around the shoulder, yeah, you know, of someone who uh, if Flo was Arsene Wenger, she'd be Pat Rice. <laughs> she just felt like <laughs> yeah. she just feels a very uh, also a massive Palace fan, but um, yeah, just truly like. A national treasure, I think, and, and coming from the hardest of places. And what what I understand of um of sounds like we're doing an avatar of off the curb here, but um off the curb, the way they revere Joe and see Joe as one of the people, she's an absolute um a totemic presence at, at Curb, isn't she? She's she's yeah, someone yeah. That, that that you know that everyone very much doffs the cap to is seen as one of the people that help make curb curb yeah. ultimately but also the industry like it's like that's the the like how like on stage screen whatever but actually how as a human being she conducts herself within this industry is something that i understand as like that's an incredible thing that's something that i try to take home as much as i can is that she doesn't seem like she's bothered too much by it she doesn't seem like it's and look, let's be really, really honest. She's she's had more kicks, and you know, you talk about trolling. Joe was get, Joe was getting kicked and and trolled before there was even social media. Some of the press was awful about her, terrible, and to never let that you know show that it's getting to you to still go out and still create and then become, I think, one of the best stand ups who's ever who's ever ever been. Absolute legend, uh, a legend. Uh, right, who would close the gig? There's only one, yeah, it'd have to be Lee Evans, I think. Wow! You know what? I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I think that Lee's just, yeah. I, I think when, 
like when I first saw Lee at like Cardiff and I've seen him at Wembley, it's just and it, it like everything that I'd esteemed to like when when I think about what I'm doing as a show and when I think about who's the best I've ever watched live, or me and Catherine might stick on a DVD, would be Lee. I think he's just everything that he, you know. Again, like there's a weird thing because there's always a sort of synergy with me between, you know, the acting and the stand-up. So what's saying that saying about Mary, what you're talking about, this mess, like incredible American cast, Stiller and Cameron Diaz and, and Matt Dillon, and Lee comes in and steals it. And and Lee just that everything that I love and adore about stand-up was symbolized in Lee. It's it's not just a joke, it's a show. It's not, you know, he constantly felt, it didn't matter where, how high he climbed, he constantly felt like he was always, like, almost, he, he just almost stepped out of the audience. Um, the hard work, he put, yeah, I, and, and like, I, I'll go back and watch bits of him. And, like, it's a weird thing because of Gratz now, having that thing of, like, knowing what went into make that, those shows and making what he is and, and the hard work. But, yeah, I, I, it would be really harder for me to pick anyone else that, that has had not just like an impact on me as a stand-up but me as an actor and, and also just that that thing that that amazing because actually when you go and watch Lee in some of the more you know um dramatic things he's done and I've seen him on stage twice you know as, a, as an actor in theater he's he's phenomenal he's a phenomenal talent but there was a line that he said really early on like I remember I think he was on Parkinson maybe or or Jonathan Ross and I was working on a building site and uh and he sort of said they were saying about him he was like you know you're now an actor you stand up he was now going into theatre whatever and like yeah and he sort of said that he like he was like well you know if I fail at saying I fail at saying and I could always go yeah and I thought that that's a really that was a bit for me as as watching him there and having seen him you know on the biggest stages like making like everyone from where I'm from and like a whole room. When you see that in Cardiff and when you see that we what Lee does, they're like they're the people that, who necessarily don't always feel that they're gonna go watch theatre or they're gonna watch a comedian. Like they, he was doing this at a time when there was a lot of people that felt almost a bit left out to where comedy had gone. And I think that was uh when you sort of saw that actually, you know what, he um he has those same insecurities and but yeah, he's he, when he's on stage, it's just something electric that happens, and I just think that it's uh, yeah, he's phenomenal. What a guy! What a talent! <clears throat> we forget that he walked onto the O2 stage night after night and made it look like he was shelling peas. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, you, you cannot take that for granted. Can Mate, to open a gig at Wembley, and go, I should have gone, I should have gone, I should have gone. Like about having a piss, I'm like, that's it's, it's like, but you, you sell it every night. <laughs> it's uh, still like I'm like he's got that that's his legacy like what have been but yeah and you know there, there's probably never you know the physical act of um, the Queen bit you know um, it's just phenomenal I'm saying this like it's a hot take it's not a hot take but well, obviously one of the greatest because I, I sometimes lament um, physicality in comedy you know the, the, when you see it when you see it done well it's um, I'm not saying it's a dying art form but Lee, Lee Evans was obviously one of the greatest of all time yeah, and I think it, it was the sort of the different characters and voices and 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 he'd sort of like just merge into. But yeah, physicality is just a thing where like I, if I'm honest with you, there was sort of like when I was 
do the work in progress as I was doing everything like that. You're like, I think this this bit works or that joke works, and then there was this bit of flow or grass being why you're losing that bit. I said, it's not quite doing it. It's not working enough. And then Grats was like, what if you do this? Or we, then we started discussing it as like lending the physicality to it and, and building that. And then it just became something, you know, a bit bigger. And and there's there's stuff where I watch with with Lee. And, and that's what I love about, you know, when you watch stand-up is sort of someone like Joe, who's sort of just there and it's sort of a look and a line and just brilliantly sort of written and sculpted stuff. And then the physicality of someone like Lee, it's just, yeah, a lot of fun. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you're looking for plump lips at last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XE and Juvederm Ultra XE, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all gel fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit www.juvederm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, has there been an incident at a gig that you would somehow love to replicate at this gig? You know, one of my favourite ever, and it would be hard with the names that I've put out, my favourite ever gigs were, um, I was really early on in my career, so I was sort of doing open mics. And it was like, Open mics is sort of a world again, like we talk about warm up. But I remember like gigging with a guy. I can't. I do remember his name, but I won't say it because it'd be disrespectful. But I remember him, and I got my first paid opener somewhere. And I said, "I've got a paid gig," and um, he said, oh, "I've never been paid." I said, oh, "How long have you been doing it?" He was like, "I've been doing it like for fifteen years." I was like, "You've never been paid?" And he was like, "No, that's not what I do it. I do it for the love of you know. I just enjoy doing the open mic circuit." And I was, wasn't a great comedian, but I often think of him and think. Oh, he was getting some more like he had a job and but there was something that he was getting from this that was more from money, the more than money. Do you know what I mean? He was getting the world that surrounds it and, and, and something a little bit you know, he was probably getting more from it than most of us fucking for your soul, do you know what I mean? And but uh so it all sort of stood with me and I often think about it. But we basically it was a guy called do you remember a guy called Bobby Freeman? I do. Yeah, so Bobby used to um, his energy. When we, you know, he, we talk about energy. His energy used to be um, 
he used to run on stage, sprint on, and just go, give me a B, give me an O, give, and spell his whole name out. And even if there was just four people in the audience, right, he had this fucking insane energy, right? Um, and I, I just used to sort of like, just think, wow, it's fucking amazing that you've got... And then Sweet guy as well, wasn't he? Lovely gentleman, absolutely lovely yeah. guy. And he used to do a thing, even if he wasn't out of breath, he'd, at the end of a gig, even if you're just doing like, you know, above a pub somewhere, he'd go... Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, thank you. Thank you for coming out tonight. And it was just like they sort of he clearly watched it on specials, but there was something I adored about that what that world at the time. And Bobby arranged a, a homecoming gig, like for the town, little town he's from, which is sort of I think somewhere in the Midlands, I want to say. I don't know, I can't remember exactly. This is a long, long time ago. And he said, Look, I want you to close, I want you to be my headline. And I was like, Wow, really? Fucking hell. He was like, Yeah, and like, I'm gonna pay you blah blah, which was quite a lot of money at the time. And I was like, fuck, yeah, of course I'll do it, right? And then he booked a sort of, he was going to compare and, and and he calls me back about an hour and a half later and he goes, um, yeah, I still want you to headline, but um, yeah, and I've, I've sort of looked through ticket pricing and uh, I think I've, and by the time we sort of finished, um, it was like my my fee had gone, so it was like, it was probably an eighth of what, because he he completely gone in, thought it was going to be this massive, like, you know, 2,000 people going to turn up. We were still open micers, no one knew, you know, I've never done any TV work. And we all turned up, and it was a real sort of feeling of one of the first times you go, oh, shit, man, I might have made it now. Like, we're all, like, um, we're all getting paid, even though it was hardly anything. Bobby had, like, cultivated the sort of real atmosphere, like, that this is his homecoming gig. And uh, he'd gone around, like, shops and stuff, selling tickets and offices. And, and it was actually, like, an incredible night. But he had this sort of energy that it just felt, and it's my favourite thing when, sort of, we were all pissing around backstage. It felt like that was, oh, this is, oh, man, this could be it. We could all be become comedians now. And it was like, you know, most of those people I've I've never seen or heard from since. They weren't like, you know, stellar acts or people who went on to have amazing careers. But there was a real moment where you sort of, it felt like... There was a, a purity. Like, yeah, like peeking up from the trenches and going, oh, shit, like, we, we might have this and, and we're getting paid to do this. And, you know, it's probably my third paid gig and, and you know, and sort of all driving back. Uh, after a gig that had gone okay, fear that that those car rides back from those sorts of gigs, where you sort of really got to know the people you're around and, and where people come from, and, and you know, yeah, I, I sort of that that was a side of it. I, you'd hope from this gig we put together, you know, you get in the, at the end of it, you're in a car with Joe Schultz, uh, well Bernie might, yeah, the effective, but uh, the, Lee the spirit, the spirit of Bernie, spirit of Bernie in the car. yeah. Um, I think yeah, there were sort of treasured times and treasured moments that I just That's sort of beautiful. Think, and it felt like they felt a world away from, from being like every day I'd be on a building site and people would be coming up and going, Well, you're still trying to stand up, you're not famous yet, and really sneering. But I remember going back in that that Monday morning and, and picking up fucking bricks or whatever I was doing at, at that time and, and feeling like I had a bit of a fucking skip in my step, feeling like, Oh, you know what? Oh no, I've got to pay kick, mate, Saturday night. I can That's great. In Warsaw. That's great. No, it's, that's it's that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean that's a good uh, thing. Though. Now, what incident must not happen that's happened? Oh, man, there's been a lot of those. Do you know one of the worst, actually? I remember doing Download Festival. Um, and, yeah, Tim will probably, because uh, I don't know if Tim's a metaler. Would I be right thinking that Tim's a metaler? I don't think he's a metaler. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know why I think it makes a long hair. It's, um, the, it's the hair, yeah. Yeah. But so Download is like a real heavy metal festival. And... I wasn't too sure about it. I'd, never, I'd, I'd worked at festivals, I'd never done download as selling t-shirts. So I turn up at download and it's um, uh, 
Like, I turn up in like a Ralph polo, Nikes. It's a summer festival, so I'm sort of dressed for a summer crowd and everyone else is there and just black and like, it's fucking... Anyway, um, I go to get to the comedy tent and it's like, some, you know, the stalwarts of the guys who were sort of like, you know, when me and you were coming up, I feel like Phil Nickel and people like that and Phil was lovely yeah. and... They were all like, you know, and they were like, right, you're gonna, you're gonna go on first. But what it was was a sort of heavy metal dance tent, and they were gonna turn the music off at like 10 p.m. and have some comedy. But no one had told the audience that there was gonna be comedy. So it's one of those ones as well where you've got there was a the guy hosting it wasn't he was a guy who was running it, so he sort of fancied himself as being a host. And you see this a lot, like you know, I still see it now. And you're like, okay, like yeah, this is so. They just turn off the music. This guy comes up and he goes, hello, everyone. And everyone's like, hey, fucking we'll put the music back on. I'm really shouting. And it's quite volatile, you know. And um, he's like, you know, did it. And he was dying on his hole. It was really awful to watch, right? And then I turned around to Phil and said, Phil Nichols, like, how long have I got to do? He's like, I think you've got to do 20 minutes. And I was like, I've got 20 minutes set. And then he said, um, I said, he said, one bit of advice, though, mate. If I don't want to do an Australian accent, is he Australian for nickel? Is he Canadian? He's Canadian, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went, uh, I won't try and do a Canadian accent, but he basically said, One bit of advice if piss starts flying, get the fuck off stage because there'll be a riot. And I'm like, Piss, and like, so I go on stage dressed the way I am, and there's just like a massive fucking they all start booing. I started getting out my um jokes and start joking around like trying to do my material they're booing they're shouting it's like i'm everything that they like they just don't want to see on stage and i'm but i'm sort of battling on because i've been told that if you don't finish you know at least 10 15 you're not going to get paid and then like full pelt straight in the face a bottle of fucking piss just smashes into my face and i think is that piss like uh like then you're like you lifting your lips going no, that oh, is. no and then um but as this is happening there's sort of like a um like, like it's sort of the, the booing subsides for a sort of moment and there's a guy do you remember jason rouse yeah yeah he was like the king of download and he comes walking into the tent and he sort of walks from the back of the tent so he's walking through the crowd a bit like jesus and everyone's like Oh, Rouse is here, Rouse, Rouse, and cheering him and going crazy for, for him. And uh, he was like, "Hey, let, let this guy finish his stuff, guys. Oh, no. finish. Good luck, man." And, and, and all that guy. And I saw that it was quiet, and I thought, "Oh, yeah, this is the system reset. Maybe I can, um, maybe I can save and start the material again." And then, yeah, just more bottles of piss, and I just walked off and. Uh, Phil Nickel was like, I remember Phil Nickel being really sweet and, and a lot of the other acts being really sweet. And then I remember they put me in a golf buggy to take me back to the... Um, and I had to, you had to do three nights. You were booked for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No. Um, and I remember getting back to the hotel. And I think... I don't know if this is the same... In my head, it's the same... It's at the same time that Stephen Gately had died. And I get into my hotel. It's a holiday inn. And I sit in this fucking hotel room and turn the TV on and there's like a documentary like from the guy from Boyzone talking about Stephen Gately and I'm, I've got a whiskey and I've got some KFC and some Red Stripe and I just sit there eating this KFC sobbing about Stephen Gately like sobbing James like absolutely almost inconsolable and I don't know if it's Stephen Gately and I'm a big Boyzone fan or if it's the fact that what's just happened to me how dignifying it was and and, and like that I've got to go out for another two nights no um <laughs> 
I, I, I just about scraped through the Saturday and they didn't call me back for Sunday. But um, it was, uh, yeah, that was just, that was as low as it can get this old game. <laughs> and the anxiety of knowing that you've, the sad, doc, you know, the sad documentary about lovely Stephen Gately, the the holiday in with the KFC, and then the yeah. fact that you've got to go back. I mean, yeah, that yeah. would. I, I did go and buy a black t-shirt and some black shirts. <laughs> <laughs> trying to pretend like... that you're like Ozzy Osbourne or whatever. <laughs> oh my god! No, this is right. This is this is really buggy. I remember walking out and whoever had been playing, maybe it was like uh, ACDC, no ACDC, and I came walking on and I was just like ACDC, oh, like that, and tried to just curry favour, but they knew I wasn't one of them. They knew. <laughs> they were I, really I, part of me. I bloody love Def Leppard. Am I right, guys? <laughs> Um, but now, final question: uh, How do you unwind after a gig? Just a chat, and uh, usually, uh, yeah, just a ch chat. Really, just I, I like the car ride home with Grats. We stick on some music, uh, or Martin stick. A, we we do a thing. We'll pick a song each, and we'll sing along, and and just chill. And 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 you know what? It's um, <clears throat> it's a really weird thing, that, <clears throat> along with the anxiety from before and everything. It's kind of like. Not Sarah Milliken, I was you probably had this quoted loads of times, and I, I sort of was a big fan. Of, like, I love Sarah and, and the, what she's about, and as a person, but there's that amazing thing with Sarah's law that you don't after 11 o'clock the next day. And I sort of have taken out of like, as long as you've gone out and you know, you've done your best, you put a shift in, and they can go home and join it. For the most part, it's like, even if it hasn't gone the best that ever go, being really angry or being really pissed off or self-critical is only going to really put you in a bad place so so really they're just trying to just garner a little positivity hopefully they've laughed um but for the most part it's just going i don't really want to take any negative energy through my front door into my house so it's 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 having making sure that the person in the car or the people in the car if you can can pick you up if you feel a little down or just sort of share a moment where you realize you know one of the main things when i got back into stand up and I came back to do this was that you know my daughter had just been born but like my godmother who had passed away and she was a person who sort of when I was dyslexic and at school I'd, I couldn't read and I couldn't she was a person who took the time out to she was a teacher herself and taught me how to read and she was a really really she was sort of felt really a lot a lot of my life the sort of person that even with my parents I'd do their head and she's sort of like never really given up on me and I think that sort of so when she passed away it was kind of like you know, within a year, it's sort of the, the birth of your daughter and, and the death of someone who's been massively important in your growth as a human being. And stand-up is never going to be as big as that. Stand-up is not my ego. It's not my place. So I can sit there and be really critical of little bits that I didn't do perfectly or this didn't work or that didn't work. But ultimately, it's not really about me. It's about the, the people in that who pay you to come to, to watch the show. And I kind of try to leave that ego at the door. And it's like, it's never always going to be perfect. There's going to be moments it falls down. But for the most part, as long as you graft as hard as you can and you put on a show, which I think for 95, 96% of these shows I have, hopefully everyone has come along and enjoyed it. And that's that's the thing you've kind of got to take home rather than sitting there and just looking for some sort of perfection because that and anything, you're never going to find it. And perfection is the most perfect thing is a smile, right? It's a bit of a laugh. Tom Davis, <laughs> Hall of Fame material. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. We're so grateful. And, oh, uh, you know, thanks for giving up so much of your time. Thanks a lot, Tom. Pleasure.
you know what, Tim? And that worked out. You know, Tom says he believes in fate and what have you. That worked out being the perfect Christmassy episode because there was so much warmth from the. I'm saying that like it was a surprise. It's Tom Davis. He's <laughs> one of the warmest people we we know. But that that felt that worked out well. Yeah, it was a real case of goodwill to all men, or whatever the phrase is. I think Tom Davis really personifies that. You are absolutely. If Tom Davis had a cologne, it would be called Goodwill, because he oh. absolutely reeks of the stuff or warmth. I, I really not thought this through. Um, right then, Tim, your favourite Tom Davis memory. So, we talk a lot about the pre-gig chat, and there isn't really anyone better at a pre-gig chat than Tom Davis. I think when the three of us get together. And look, if we want to add Romesh into that as well, then that is the dream quartet. I really love it. I have so much fun. It's one of those ones where you're like, oh, I don't want to open the doors because it's just so much fun. Who who would be in the top 10 pre-gig chat? Okay. Tom and Ron, Pasco. Yeah, Pas- so. Pasco is definitely on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Sarah Barron. Barron. Sarah Barron is superb. Rose Johnson. Matt Ford. Oh. <laughs> I mean, this. Widdicom. Kumar. Oh. So, I mean, Tim, this is another podcast. It's honestly, I was thinking, this is a bonus episode. <laughs> Out generally than that. Look, we hope you are having a great festive season. Now, when I was a kid, I used to get the blues on a, I'm sharing too much here, I used to get the blues on Boxing Day because, well, because I suppose, you know, almost when I was a nipple, like the whole year was like geared towards Christmas Day. And then when it, when it was over, it was like, oh my, I was like staring into the abyss at the age of seven. Whereas now I think the bit between Christmas and New Year, I think is, that's the best bit, isn't it? Well, it is when you've got a new episode of the Always Be Comedy podcast to listen Mm -hmm. to. That's why he's Tim Lewis. But actually, yeah, it's a, lo- it's a lovely time of year. I think it feels like there's slightly less pressure on. You can take a bit of a break. Uh, you can go see Wonka. Just too many, too many ads. Too many ads at the moment. Um, we, are see- we are seeing Wonka this, this coming week. That's the plan. Can't wait for you to see it. I think it's really good. And also for comedy nerds, you're, you're going to see someone that you saw at the Fringe five years ago in every scene. It's amazing. Wow, very, very good. My favourite Tom Davis memory, I, I'm I'm very lucky in that I am spoiled for choice here. We, we talked about a, a, an industry gig up the creek many years ago, and that w- that gets silver medal because that sort of like laid the foundation for what's what continues to be a very nice, uh, a very lovely friendship. But I'm going to go with the Red Nap Chat Show because it was, lockdown was obviously an odd old time. And so to, so to see Tim and indeed, the red naps on a weekly basis uh, as well as the likes of Thierry Henry and so on it was just it was it was a, a lovely and also unusual way of um being allowed out of the bubble at the time because there wasn't much else going on at the time audiences were not in the show so it was one of those where I was warming up the crew um so yeah I, w- I would go with that to see to see Tom during probably the most unusual time of our lives to see Tom on a on a regular basis, I would say, if I sound distra- if I sound distracted, my five year old wants me to put her in a playful headlock, which I've now done. 
Uh, and so uh, we better leave that one there. Tim, huge and heartfelt thanks. Um, if you'd like to get in touch, please drop us a line. The team at alwaysbecomedy.com across the socials. <clears throat> excuse me, at Always Be Comedy. Um, Tim, any other business? We'll see you on Friday for the Always Be Comedy Awards. God bless you all. We hope you've had a lovely festive season. Thank you sincerely. I know I say huge and heartfelt thanks a lot to the extent where someone put it in a card to Tim and myself, but huge and heartfelt thanks for all your support with the podcast, uh, with any online stuff we've done, with the in-person stuff at the Tommy Field. Uh, it means a great deal. Thank you so much. Um, Merry Christmas. And I was going to say Happy New Year, but we will see you this Friday for the bonus episode. 